0: All right, let's settle our hearts, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's been a minute, I think the last time that I um, uh, taught it was on discernment. And um, I thank the Father for, and for my husband, for entrusting me with feeding you, because I don't take this lightly at all. I go through a very extensive study and process for this um, because I know amongst many things that I do that this is serious and I know that whatever I feed you that I have to give an account for what I feed you. And so I take this very serious, um, but who's ready to learn? Amen. Amen. You ready to learn? Amen. All right, so turn to somebody and say, "I'm ready to learn." Like my my girl Sonach on a waymaker say, "I don't know about you." She say. <laughs> I love what she said that I'm ready, say, "I'm ready to learn." I'm ready to learn. Hallelujah. I was before I get into this, I was speaking to a young lady, not speaking to. I was counseling a young lady on the phone, and she was telling me, like, you know, she's like, I, I feel weird um, a lot of times when I'm in a group of uh, my friends, she said, cause sometimes the things that they're talking about, she said, I don't have anything to contribute because I have no idea what they're talking about. So I always feel like a, a third wheel sometimes because I have nothing to contribute. And I said to her, well, it only will feel awkward if you're trying to be a teacher in a situation where you're supposed to be the student. I said, so you feel awkward because you're trying to be the teacher. I said, so be the student. I said, so and in order for you to actually contribute to the conversation, why don't you ask questions about what they're talking about so you have something to contribute to it so it won't feel awkward. So the reason why I say that is because know what environment that you're in. When it's time to be the student, and when it's time to be the teacher. If you're teaching and you're contributing and you're pouring into people, that's the time for you to contribute. If you're receiving and bringing in and learning new knowledge for the first time, know it's time for you to be the student, amen? Amen, because we'll miss things when we don't know how to switch roles. It's almost like I don't even know why I'm going into this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's like when uh, women have an independent mindset and they're married and they are supervisors on their job and they don't know how to come home and switch hats. (laughs) And so, the thing about it, the weird thing about that is that they know how to submit to the employer, but they don't know how to submit to their husband. And that's a hard thing. Let me get off that. Amen, because that's not my message. Hallelujah. (laughs) but once again before i go into my message because i am not gonna be tricked by the enemy this time because i'm gonna get this prophetic word out because i know sometimes that you have to go to work cortana and i'm gonna get you your word right now before i teach this message amen so i wanted to tell you for such a long time but i just couldn't because a prophetic is usually towards the end but i'm gonna tell you right now hallelujah I had a word for you. I think I've been holding it for a month. And basically my word for you is that the Father still heals broken hearts. He still heals broken hearts. He still mends broken heart. He hasn't run out of uh, love ammunition in order to mend things together. So believe that he can heal you as you come into prayer, as you go into intercession. You just ask him, heal the broken parts of me, Abba. Because I see that you've been through some things in regards to relationships, but he is still a mender, okay? He's still a reconciler. He's still drawing all people to himself so remember he is able to heal your broken heart amen amen cuz i want to see your joy return amen 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 so let me get into this message cuz i know apostle is clocking me so i want to be <laughs> i want to be obedient i'm trying to get some honor brownie points in the spirit okay <laughs> amen so I want to be on time all right now all right so y'all if you would lower the music just a little bit keep it on though because I still want it hallelujah yep a little bit higher yes that's it right there so we all know that the bible um, is a book of reversals And what I mean by reversals, I mean that old things become new, the dead come to life, the lost are found. And even those who was the worst of the worst of the worst of vilest of sinners, right, are empowered now by the grace of the Father to become the virgin bride of Christ. And so we are called to become a holy bride. The spotless wife of Jesus Christ. But before we are to become a bride, we must first become a virgin. Now, stay with me, fellas. Because I'm not just talking to the females, okay? Because usually when I start talking about virginity and being virgins, the men kind of tune out, okay? So I want you to bring it back in. Because when I'm talking about being a virgin bride, that includes the men as well, amen? So this series builds upon two things. How this series came into place is, actually, it came from a dream that my son had. And in this dream, in the short version of it, he said that he saw this man sitting at the computer, but he had leprosy. And so he was sitting at this computer, and he said that there was some men that was trying to get in. And he was like there was banging on the door that was trying to get into his apartment and he was scared he was like they're gonna come in and he was trying to get on this computer if I can just get on this computer you know before they get in and stuff and so he was just trying to get on this computer trying to get on this computer and he finally got on this computer to click on the divine generation church right and so as he clicked on it My son said that the leprosy began to heal as he clicked on one of the messages of Divine Generation Church and the leprosy began to heal. And he said, and so the people or the demonic forces or whomever that was trying to get in just disappeared. And so right when he told me that dream, I heard the father speak to me and he says, if we just focus on becoming like Christ, everything else would be as though it just disappeared. It won't bother us like it bother us. And a lot of times we put so much emphasis on Satan. We put so much emphasis on demonic forces. We put so much emphasis on what other people can do for us or do to us that we we just, we miss the fact (laughs) that our father is the king of kings. We miss the fact that our father not only owns everything in the earth, but he owns all the people in the earth, including demonic forces and all pretty much everything that tries or um, tries to come against us. And so it, the series actually comes from that dream. Now. The other part of this series, it actually builds upon the foundation that has already been laid by the apostle of what he just finished teaching, which is deliverance, soul ties and the church in that. The word, as he was teaching us for uh, the several different lessons that he taught us, but he taught us that the word itself delivers. The word itself cleanses us, okay? And that process... Of the word cleaning us, the word delivering us, that process includes what we call a couple of things, which is sanctification along with sonship. It includes salvation, it includes impartation, and it includes consecration. Now, I'm going to get back to those terms. I just wanted to mention them though. Now, all of those things which I just said to you can be summed up by just three words. And those three words are becoming spiritual virgins, becoming spiritual virgins. So this series, I will be ministering on the series called Become. I will be ministering on the series called Become. And the first lesson of this series is titled Become the virgin become the virgin now we can't and when we think about for instance the bride of christ you know jesus christ is coming back for the bride of christ but we can't be the bride unless we're the virgin first and we try to put the cart before the horse but you got to become a virgin before you become a bride amen amen now let us put this into context because like i said when we talk about virginity i'm meant to log off so let's put this into context spiritual context now a virgin is often connected or associated naturally in this culture in this natural culture with women correct amen now but how many of you know that we don't belong to this culture amen Amen. but we belong to the culture of heaven so we don't do things according to the world we do things according to our father's house and we understand spiritual things what with spiritual things so in addition in the bible a virgin was not just one who was free from the sin of premarital sex or immoral behavior. A virgin was also one set aside for another. Now, naturally virgins are those in this culture, naturally, we say virgins are those that are untouched sexually, And virgins are those that are untouched morally from men or women. Likewise, if we translate that over spiritually, virgins are those that are untouched by men's ideas, they are untouched by men's traditions, and they are untouched by sin. So to reach the goal of becoming a spiritual Virgin, there are some practices that must become active in our life. Somebody say active. active. All right, so I'm going to take you through some definitions and practices to make sure you're becoming spiritual versions now if you can they're going to put some definitions up there for you but if you could take a quick picture of it that's good but i don't want you to be extra um distracted by trying to write down the definitions okay i can definitely email them to you or send you a picture of the powerpoint but i don't want you to become distracted if you can't take a quick picture of it because i want to go through this thing so i want you to gain understanding okay and not be distracted by writing it down and miss what I'm saying. Amen. So, in order to go through the stages of spiritual virginity, we're going to the stages of spiritual virginity. The first thing that we're supposed to know is supposed to do is supposed to be number 1 salvation. Salvation is the born again process we go through in order to receive what our brother, right? Jesus Christ did to come into the family of God. So we can't even start the process of becoming spiritual virgins if we're not born again, because this is where the work begins. Amen. Amen. Now, number two. Number two is consecration. Now, even when we talk about the word consecration, the word consecration has been beat up so much by the religious community that people even don't even want to be consecrated no more. They've thrown the, the baby out with the bathwater when, <laughs> like I said, what we were supposed to do is just get back in line, teach on the correct doctrine, bring back the foundation, and bring back the things that we actually are supposed to be doing. And consecration is one of those things that we're actually supposed to be doing. Now, consecration is the act of dedication to the service and, because it's two part, worship of the Father as children. It is also the process of making holy for a higher purpose to be used by the Father. Somebody say higher purpose. Higher purpose. Now there's some purposes that we do, that we start, that we feel like this is my purpose, okay? But there are what we call higher purposes. Somebody say higher again. Higher. So what we would consider a higher purpose is reconciliation. That's a higher purpose. What we consider a higher purpose is to become like Christ. Amen? What we consider a higher purpose is actually walking into our calling, what he actually called us to do. That is what we consider a higher purpose. We have a purpose of doing a whole lot of things, whether that's investing or that's going to school or whatever the case may be, but there are higher purposes than that. Amen? Amen? Number three, sanctification. Now, sanctification is the actual journey. It's the process that the Father takes us through And most people fall off in, but the father takes us through in order to conform us to the image of Christ. What we need to be free of, what we need to get clean of in order to become like Christ. So you can't have the mind of Christ if you don't want his heart. Because we talk about having his mind, but they go, they coincide. You got to have his heart. And you got to have his mind, amen? Amen. So sanctification is also the amount of absolute surrender to the Father in order to be used, okay? So what I said to you, absolute surrender, which means that he wants every area to be sanctified. So I know, because... I've been there before. <laughs> Still there in some areas that we give him certain areas here. Father, have this, <laughs> but I'm gonna keep this. But he's looking for an absolute surrender. Oh yeah, Father, you you can you yeah you can you can you can have my heart here. Take that, but my time I, I'm not gonna give you that. So he's looking for absolute, every single area he wants to feel. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, number four. Now, I'm not going to go into <laughs> long, extensive process with the stages of sonship because our apostle has taught awesomely on the stages of sonship. You can go back to the podcast, to listen to that. In its entirety, if you really want to dive in and eat that, he has taught on that several different times. But I want to bring this in because it goes with the actual stages of spiritual maturity. Amen. So number four is the stages of sonship. Now, the stages of sonship is the stages of maturity for children of God that we go um, through. And so, when we talk about the stages of sonship, there's two things that I want to point out uh, in regards to the stages of sonship, and that's one of the things is the Bible talks about that we go from glory to glory. Glory to glory, which means that we, um, he elevates us as we progress. He takes us to another level as we progress in him. He takes us from glory to glory as we increase in our growth. Amen. And then the Bible talks about grace upon grace that he gives us. And the thing about grace upon grace, we need the grace because we can't grow without grace because we're gonna make mistakes. Our timing gonna be off totally. He like, I need you to do this. you like, I know you told me, God, hold on, hold on real quick, hold on, I gotta do this. He's like, I'm telling you, I need you to do this. You're like, hold on real quick. And so what he does, he pours out more grace. He pours out more grace, waiting for you, waiting for you, waiting for you, waiting for you. And in order for you, and he's pushing you, and you you feel him, and he's tugging on you, and all these things, he's pouring out more grace upon you. So we need grace and glory. Now, the stages of sonship are there to help us identify our growth to become more like Christ. We're saying we're becoming more like Christ, but how do we know we're becoming? How would we even measure amongst, not even amongst ourselves if we were growing, how would you measure if you were actually the the goal in which you were shooting for, how would you even measure that goal that you were actually getting closer to it? So the the stages of sonship help you identify that I am growing, amen, or it could be I am not growing, (laughs) either or. Now... The one thing I find (laughs) quite interesting, um, and it kind of is how the Father deals with me as a prophet, but a lot of things that I see in the natural, it automatically translates over for me in the Spirit automatically. And so, one of the things that I found to be very, 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 very ironic was the very fact that when we talk about the five stages of sonship in the Spirit, you know, it's in the Spirit because it's truth. Which means that there has to be a projection of that truth here on the earth. Otherwise, it would not actually, we would not actually be able to teach it unless it's being projected on the earth for us to see it. And so when it comes to the five stages of sonship spiritually, that's actually translate over naturally because guess what? Ironically, there are five stages of childhood development. There are five stages of childhood development and anybody who has been pregnant, they know all of those appointments get on your nerves after a while. Especially when you first have the child for at least probably the first two to three years. That's what, oh my God, that's all you do is go to an appointment, a healthy baby checkup over here, and a healthy baby checkup over there, and another healthy baby checkup. And they want you to bring the baby back again for some more shots. And it's like, oh my God, when is this going to end? But what they're doing is that they're going through the five stages of childhood development to do what? To see if the child is actually growing. They have to measure to see if the child is growing in order what? To say if the child is deformed, if they have some type of uh, inability to to grow. They're supposed to be talking and why they're not talking. And so they're helping you to see that the child either is growing and sometimes the child is growing exponentially or they weren't supposed to walk until it was one but they what they nine years old or nine months old and they're walking so which means that if that's the case naturally that's also the case spiritually that you can grow faster spiritually than these stages say that you are supposed to grow so I will take you just through a few and the five stages of childhood development naturally by the end of the first month of you having a baby the first month, the, ch- the, the the baby is one month old. At the end of the first month, the doctor will tell you that the baby is supposed to know the sounds of their parent's voice. By the end of the third month of the child, they tell you that the child begins to use their hand and their eye coordination, and they don't know about words, but they begin to babble, and they begin to try to imitate the sounds in which they come out of your mouth. You're like, yeah, say ooh, 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 and they start, what, imitating what you saying, right? By the seventh month, the child begins to respond to his own name. Put that down, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, turn around. Like, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> but he responded to his name. And by the end of the first year, the child is one years old. The child is supposed to be saying his first words or her first words, dada, mama. Amen? Now, the stages of sonship. Briefly, in the nepio stage, which is baby Christian one-on-one, This is where you can identify a baby Christian because they're often selfish. They always want their way. They're often whining over provisions and safety and protection. And they're very easily influenced by others. And they often get entangled into chaos and division in the church. In the Pateon stage, which is the second stage of the sonship, the child begins to understand the character and the nature of the father's ways. And they begin to clean up their character. And they begin to want to take on the character of the father. In the Technon stage, and we actually, in this Technon stage, we all actually seen Jesus in the temple At the Technon stage. and the Technon stage, the child begins to take on the mindset that I must be about my father's business. In the Nanisco stage... This is the stage in which you're growing up. You're you're beyond the teenage stage. You're the Nenisco stage. And this is where you have overcome the evil one. You're like, uh, as far as the devil speaking to me, that's nothing. I don't have a problem with that. He's not going to derail me from doing anything that the father told me to do. At the Danisco stage, this son or daughter is triumphing over all circumstances and situations and at the we are stage is the son and the daughter that begins to actually represent his father he begins or she begins to stand in proxy as one who represents the one who sent him and this is the one that is led by the spirit this is the one that loves growing up with sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, and that the we are stage. This is the one who doesn't shrink back at all from being disciplined. Doesn't shrink back from being corrected, and when he is corrected and reproved, he steps back and says, "Well, maybe it is me, Father. Work on my heart. Impart, Father, whatever it is that I need in order to correct it." It's not them, Father, because guess what? I can't see myself. I can't naturally even see what's on my back, let's see myself spiritually. So you take in what others say that you need to work on this. So the last stage of this spiritual, stages of spiritual growth is number five, impartation impartation because there are some things that just going to need to be imparted into you in order for you to come the actual spiritual virgin that he requires you to become when he sets you aside to use you there's some things you just don't have that is just going to need to be imparted into you so when we talk about impartation we're actually talking about the spiritual virtue imparted into our souls either by Abba himself We're going into the secret place. We're praying. We're asking, Father, strengthen me. Father, give me courage. Father, give me your wisdom today. Father, give me the the bread that I need today, Father. Give me, Father, the knowledge that I need. Give me the plans and purposes, Father, for today. Hallelujah. And so it's being imparted into our soul. Heal me, Father. Build me, Father, for wherever you're taking me. Then you're receiving an impartation from him. So you get impartation that way. And then you could also get impartation by the laying on of hands. We can lay hands on you and impart a spiritual gift to you. We can lay hands on you to heal you. We can lay hands on you to um, um, give you a mantle as well. And then the other other way in which you can receive impartation is through prophetic words spoken over you. And that's you can speak prophetic words over yourself and say, I am healed. I am chosen. I am beloved. I am a son, I am a daughter, hallelujah, or someone else speaking it over you, you are beloved, you are chosen, you are, hallelujah, what he called you to be, you are a healer, so you can receive impartation that way. Now like all things in Christianity, the purity of the church does not originate from us. And we have to know that. He told us our righteousness is a filthy rags. We can never get right. We can never just do a whole bunch of work and just get right with him. And so when we talk about being spiritual virgins, we're talking about the purity of the virtue. And we have to know that virtue does not come from you. You're receiving that virtue amen so it's a purity that's imparted from christ himself now remember for all my men and women though that i <laughs> specifically the men that jesus was also a virgin naturally and he was a spiritual virgin and we talking about spiritually he had set himself Aside, as the sacrificial lamb without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. So he's requiring the same thing of ourselves. So we're going to look at it in scripture. We're going to see him and then we're going to see what he says, what he's requiring for us to do. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. Now this is him. It says, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life you inherited from your forefathers. Mm. That's a message in itself right there. You know, when I think about that, (laughs) I think about people worshiping their ancestors. Why would you want to worship your forefathers and your ancestors when the word right here says the only thing you inherited from your ancestors was an empty life? That's all they got for you, an empty life. So why would you want to worship them when that's all they got for you is death, which is an empty life? He says, but the blood of Christ, a lamb, without blemish or spot, he was known before the foundations of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. So he would never tell us to do something if he didn't do it himself. He set himself aside. And so now since he set himself aside and consecrated himself, he's requiring us to do the same thing. Ephesians 5, 24 through 27. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, I'll read that again. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I should have started this on verse 25. <laughs> I'm just playing with y'all. <laughs> verse 25. Husbands, love your wives Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her what? Holy, cleansing her. We're talking about being spiritual virgins. Cleansing her, we're talking about the, the actual wife, the bride, we're cleansing the bride to make her holy, cleansing her by what, what the apostle just preached, the washing with the water through the word. This is why we need deliverance through the word of preaching. And he says in verse 27, "And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain, Or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless so it's with this reverence with the union with Christ the marriage ceremony of the Son of God and man and we're gonna look at that in Ephesians 5 31 through 32 Ephesians 5 it should be the next one 31 I didn't put it there So just make a note of it. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It says this is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ in the church. Now, the real revelation of this scripture, I don't want you to miss it. The real revelation of this scripture belongs to Christ and the church. But before I go into that, I briefly wanna talk about the foreshadowed revelation of the representation of marriage in a natural sense. Now, marriage in the earth, marriage, when people get married, married and we see that representation actually in the earth, marriage in the earth is a shadow. Marriage in the earth is a proxy. Marriage in the earth is a representation of Jesus Christ and the church as he comes back for his virgin bride. Now, Satan, demonic forces... Principalities is against marriage and the family and the holiness of what it represents because the truth behind the mystery of the shadow in which you see when you see someone married or you see a family. He's against what it represents. Christ and the church. Two becoming one flesh. Now. In this scripture, the apostle said, this mystery is great. Never presume you understand something just because you can read English. He said, this mystery is great, which means that this is not common knowledge. You're not just going to pick this up like that when you read it. Which means that there is a misunderstanding regarding the topic and the spirit will reveal the truth about this spiritual matter. The mystery is that Christ left his provisional privileges as Abba's son. And he clothed himself in flesh so that through our spiritual rebirth he might absorb mankind into his nature for the two to become one flesh now Christ let me get I was hoping to get um, a married couple we need some married couples in this piece (laughs) I wanna I was hoping to I need um, that's okay um I'll just let me use Ola and Will Let me use Ola and Will. Now, Will, what is your father's name? Will. It's quite simple. Okay. So, Will will always be the son of his father, Will. Christ will always be the son of God. But Will is in love as he has left his father and his mother. If you can give me some water, anybody. Will has left. Thank you. Will has left his father and his mother And he has now cleaved unto Ola, which is his bride. So, likewise, Christ will always be the son of God. But he is in love with the church. He has cleaved to the church. He is forever married to the church, okay? He has not been... Um, he's not apart from the church but like he said he is coming back for his bride but forever connected to the father he says what if i'm pretty sure if you have seen will you have seen his father because i'm pretty sure they look alike (laughs) amen so guess what if We say Christ is in us. Guess what? People should see your father. They should see Christ in you. Should be no difference from what people read and what people see. And that's a lot of times what makes people leave the church because they don't see Christ in you. But you're proclaiming Christ, but they don't see it. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Now, is this not the purpose of the Father? To bring the spirit of his son into the church, into the bride, creating man both in his what? His divine image and in his divine likeness, just like Genesis 1 and 26 talked about. Now, Scripture calls Jesus Christ what? The last Adam. Adam. And that was in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45 for my note takers and those on the podcast. He is the firstborn, it says, of the new creation as Adam was the firstborn of the old creation. Now, the first Adam cleaved unto Eve and he fell with Eve um, in sin. But... The last, uh, the last Adam, which is Christ, is what? Cleaving unto his church. But he has redeemed the church. He has raised the church up and what? Made us sit with him in heavenly places. So the marriage of Adam and Eve, where Eve literally emerged, was born out of literally Adam's substance. That's what the Bible says. She was born out of Adam's substance, right? So if she was born out of Adam's substance, that picture in itself is a prophetic prototype or it's a shadow of the church born out of the actual substance of Christ. That's why the Bible says he was bruised where? Where was he bruised? On his side, the same place where Eve came out of Adam. So Paul tells us that our bodies, our bodies, are the physical members of what? Christ. We are not simply, metamorphically, the body of Christ, but spiritually, we are, as Genesis says, we are bone of his bone. We are flesh of his flesh. Now, Christ himself, we know. Is in us that has been pounded in us in our minds in the teaching we're saying Christ in you 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 right but we don't talk a lot about Christ coming forth out of you after he's in you he don't just want to be in you and live in you he wants to come out of you he wants to project out of you after he's cleaned you up as the virgin bride then he wants to come out of you and how do i know that because the bible says it was christ himself not only was operating in the body of jesus but when jesus died he did what he resurrected the body he came up and out of the body he projected himself out of a dead situation so we must become Spiritual, pure, clean virgins. Now, raise your hands in here if you desire for revival to break out in Divine Generation Church. That's pretty much everybody. So we desire for a revival to break out, right? We see all these other places where we say oh, revival and broke out. We want revival just to break out in here, okay? Right. So. Revival, I'm going to tell you how revival breaks out. And how, I'm going to tell you how you know when revival is breaking out. Revival comes as Christ prepares for himself a people. As he raises them up in the body of Christ, he begins to do what? Draw all men to himself when the body gets it together when the body of Christ and when i say body i'm talking about all of us together create a body he says each what part of the body supplies each part. Each joint supplies each part. And when every single part in this place, in this body, brings the whole body of Christ together, then revival breaks out because it's not only Christ in your individual bodies, but it's Christ in the whole body. So when Christ comes in the whole body of Christ, it's many crises in individual people. And when that thing comes comes together you don't just become a light you don't just become a candlestick you become what the body becomes a city set on a hill in which men can see and when that happens revival breaks out because he begins to draw all men to himself that's how he can add 5,000 to the apostles because they were united it was them it wasn't just Paul It wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just Simon. It wasn't just uh, uh, Barnabas. It wasn't just one person. It was all of them in unity and it caused revival to break out in the earth. So, our Christ likeness, we have to know, is a door. When we come in here into Divine Generation Church, And we get it together in regards to, and the crazy part about it, that's our theme for the year, is us. When we get us together, we become a door. We become a prophetic door that swings open. And guess what? Christ, once again, enters the world. Hebrew 10 and 5 says, do I have that? All right. Five says, therefore, when Christ comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now, the father was fed up with animal sacrifices that could never get the people anywhere. As the apostle tells us in this house, he wanted what? He wanted sons and daughters. He was tired of them bulls and them goats and them doves and all that other people. That couldn't do nothing. It couldn't remove the sin. All, actually, all the sins were just converted over into the next year. So you still, you still had to pay for them. You got to come every year, every year, every year to goat, Every year, every year, a bird. Every year. So he was like, look, I'm tired of this. I want sons and I want daughters. Let me continue with the scripture. Therefore, when Christ comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. He's like, that wasn't even your plans. It was just something temporary. He says, but what? a body you prepared for me. Now, descriptive of Christ as this is, don't miss the revelation that this verse also is applicable of his presence during revival through sons and daughters that make up the body of Christ. So I want you to secure this thought in your mind. Secure this thought in your mind. When the spirit of Christ comes into the physical world, through this realm, he must enter into a physical body. As it was stated, the people or body, meaning us collectively, we will have been prepared and set apart for him beforehand. I need a couple people to do a demonstration. I like active participation. Let me get Sanley. Let me get Annette. Let me get Janesha. Let me get Pastor Kirby. Let me see if I got enough people. That'd be two. OK, Sanley right here. Um, Annette, you stand right next to Sandley. OK, and Janesha. You stand like this, with your back to Annette. Yes. Let me get Renee. You stand right next to Janasia and Apostle. Can I have you right here, actually, in the front of those two women? And Charles, let me get you right here next to Pastor Kirby. Turn it that way. Yes. Come a little closer to Stanley. Now, this prophetic demonstration, I tried, don't laugh at me, y'all. I tried to create a body. Oh. This is a representation of the body of Christ. But each part of this body is doing their servitude and whatever the God, the Father has called each part to, every joint supplies so that the whole body can move, okay? Now, Ooh, Apostle, step forward. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Stay right there. Now, by himself, by himself, he is not the body of Christ, but he is a part of the body of Christ. But him in himself, he's not the body of Christ. He is a part of the body of Christ. Now, come back, Apostle. Now Janesha and Renee, Jennesha uh, hold up your left hand because they're representing the hands, and you hold up your right hand, okay? Now, Charles and Pastor Kirby, Pastor Kirby step out your, one of your feet up and then you step your foot out. there it is. so so the thing about this is that <laughs> the father is not step forward, Renee. the father is not just looking. To raise up an arm you step you step this way Charles the father's not just looking to raise up a leg okay now Christ is full he is full of Christ right and they all of them are full of Christ but we need now they not only represent Christ individually but now we need Christ in the whole body because the Bible said that Christ is coming back for a bride not several brides and the bride is the church so the church, the body of Christ has to be raised up. The whole body has to be raised up. Not the leg be raised up, not the arm be raised up, not, not just the, 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 the middle part of the, of the stomach just raised up, but the whole body. And that's why we're trying to get unity in the body so that the whole body can get raised up. It'd be nothing for the Father to draw all men to the body. He says he the one who do it. So guess what, if we trying to do it, it's hard. But if we work on not only our individual cells of Christ being formed in us and our light comes on and then his light comes on, then Sally light comes on, and Annette's light comes on, and Janasia's light comes on, and Apostle light comes on, and Renee's light comes on, guess what? Then Christ is actually in the body, the body is raised up, and now there is a city set on a hill. But by themselves, they're just salt. By themselves, they're just light. But he's looking for a city. He's trying to set you on a hill. Amen? You guys can sit down. So every time a person individually sets themselves aside and collectively sets themselves aside as the body of Christ, Hebrews 10 and 7. Do I have that? We hear Hebrews 10. We should hear Hebrews 10 and 7 repeat itself over and over again as a prophetic declaration. And it says, then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. We should say that individually to the point where we come together, we're saying it as a body. I have come to, it is written about us, Divine Generation Church in the scrolls. Divine Generation Church is in the books in heaven. It's written about us. We've come to do your will. We don't just come individually to do your will, but we come as a body to do your will. So we must not despise this time of preparation the Father has given us as children in the body of Christ. Our brother Jesus was also the Son of God, but the Bible says in Luke 2 and 52 that what? He kept on increasing in wisdom. He kept increasing in wisdom. So he could not learn the kingdom of God in the rabbinical colleges of his time. He could not. No man taught Jesus Christ, the mystery of the miraculous. All of that came from the father himself. He didn't go to no rabbinical college to be taught of all of that stuff. He was what? Found in his father's house learning. So even though uh, as a son, he was always sinless, always the Bible obedient, we still gotta remember Hebrews 5, eight through nine. Bring that up, Alana. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9 tells us, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him. So the destiny the father planned for Christ was something that we know that Jesus had to grow into, just like we have to grow into into the the stages of sonship. Hebrew plainly tells us and it reveals Christ as what? The pre-existing creator. He is the father from eternity. Yet in the unfolding of Christ's earthly life, there was a point in time where his calling was announced from heaven. And then it was commenced on the earth. It was announced in heaven, but it was commenced on the earth. Until he was baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus had been in labor to bring forth his destiny. He was pregnant with the promise of the Father within him. So, likewise, individually, and corporately, Divine Generation Church is pregnant with the promises of the Father in us. The pruning that you see in this church is part of the birth and pains. You have to understand, we have our own birth and pains that we go through on a daily basis in our individual life. So, and that's our bodies. Why wouldn't the church collectively as a body have birth and pains then? So we in this church, we're going through birthing pains. We're travailing until what? We are ready to birth out what is hidden in the season of preparation, just like on the backside of the desert when David was in the backside, what? Training and in preparation. After the water baptism, when Jesus was praying, the Bible said the Spirit descended upon him and the power, and the Bible says the heaven opened and it thundered a voice of the Father. Luke 3 and 22. We got that, Luke 3 and 22. Luke 3 and 22 says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And in that very moment, all those promises, all the dreams spoken of in the Old Testament, all of the prophecies and the visions that the men and women had prior to Christ's coming, All the 30 years of learned obedience by the things in which he had to suffer, all of the times that he had to be acquainted with grief and he had to be acquainted with sorrow stood in attention and alignment in that very moment when he was baptized. And it was focused in on that one moment in his life. Instantly, the power of heaven flowed into the spirit of Jesus And the ministry of Christ was birthed out. The voice of the Father spoke not to the crowds, not only for the sake of John the Baptist, but for the sake of Jesus. The requirements and the days of preparation were fulfilled in that moment. And in that eternal moment, the Father said to Jesus, today I have begotten you. Hebrews 1, 5, and Hebrews 5 and 5, he says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And in the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son today. I have begotten you. As your father. So I said all of that to say to you today that we must understand that we are pregnant with the promises of the Father and that we take off running some time and testifying about how pregnant we are with the things of the Father, but we have no understanding. We don't even know what we're pregnant with. So how would you know if a child was born if you don't even know what you're pregnant with? Hmm. We think we're pregnant with prosperity and wealth. We think we're pregnant with business ideas. We think we're pregnant with a new year, new you. We think that we're pregnant with a new job or a new job promotion that we're waiting for, but we are not. The only thing that you're pregnant with is the seed of Christ. Because in him dwells all the fullness of those things. But you just don't know it. (laughs) But we can't even get pregnant if we're not yielded to the process of becoming spiritual virgins. You can't even get pregnant if you haven't yielded yourself to the process of becoming a spiritual virgin. So never assume that you are pregnant with anything if you're not becoming a spiritual virgin first. And so you might say, well, where's proof of that, Dr. Hardy, in the Bible? I got you. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was a prophetic prototype. She was a foreshadow of the church. In another sense, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also a body the father had what? Prepared. Now, when Christ first into the world as an infant, it was Mary who the father chose to give birth to Jesus Christ. Mary's life was a prophetic symbol in the earth that reflected the qualities that the church must possess in order to walk in the fullness of Christ. She reflected the virgin bride. So she was humbled. She considered herself, the Bible says, as a bond servant of the Lord. She was unwavering in her believing in the words that were spoken to her by the angel. Luke 1, 34 through 38. And it says, this is Mary. She says, after the angel spoke to her that she would birth Christ. He says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary was a virgin when she was approached, untouched by her natural husband. These traits qualified her to be used by the father in order to carry the seed. So likewise, our humble state as bond servants, as children, are to prepare for the coming of the birthing out of Christ. Yes, we are chastened by the Father as children as we go through the stages of sonship. Mm -hmm. Amen. However, the goal for the Father chastening us is not to punish us. He seeks to make us chaste, which means to purify us, to make us spiritual virgins in the body of Christ, as he did with Mary in order to give birth to the ministry of his son. Even now, in the spiritual womb of the virgin church, the holy purpose of Christ growing in us Waiting for us to do what? Just like the groan is what the creation say they're what? Groaning. They're waiting for the manifestations of the Son of God. Likewise, we have to mature as sons and daughters of God so that we can birth out Christ. They're not just waiting for you to grow up, they're waiting for you to birth Christ out. They're not only waiting for you to mature, they're waiting for you to, what, you're you're prevailing, they're prevailing too, because they're waiting for Christ to come through you. But we're fighting it all the way. (laughs) Acts 3, 19 through 21. Check my time. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. We are living in the time frame that the Bible calls the period of restoration. Since the Reformation, the truth of Christ has been progressively restored to his church. Since the Dark Ages, every time Christ presents himself more and more and more is revealed about him. It is because a virgin church has been in labor to bring Christ forth. So say it with me. Divine Generation Church is a virgin church in preparation to birth out and reveal Christ to the world. So, this is what it looks like. The Holy Spirit impregnates an apostle. We're talking about the body of Christ, not just a man individually. The Holy Spirit impregnates the apostle, a person who the Father knows that will continually say yes to him with a vision to see Christ preached to help the people conform into the image and with the vision the father has given to him about his father's business. Then after the revelation is poured into the apostle and he is given the seed of that thing, the vision is now begins to spread to the fivefold ministry. And after the vision is spread to the five-fold ministry, it is then where that vision is beginning to get tested with persecution. And it begins to become refined with fire. But after it's refined with fire and persecution, it begins to spread. So, yes, those he has called in the body are flawed people. All of us in here are flawed people. Truly, not one of us in here is Perfect. But along the way, the vision the Father gives begins to possess our souls. And the scripture in Revelation 12, 1 and 2 begins to come to life. And Revelation 12, 1 and 2 says, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant. And cried out in pain as she was about to give birth so as the hour nears this virgin church lays aside what her many tasks to focus on her one great commission that through intense prayer and quickening of the spirit and groanings as the Bible says there's too deep to utter with words she embraces her appointed destiny Until the very voice of Christ is heard in her prayers. And she, meaning us, begins to say, Lo, I have come to do your will, O Father. Birthed in his spirit and in his power, the church, fused together through love and suffering and persecution. This holy people in here begins to become, as it were, the body the father has prepared for his son. And even now, hell trembles and the heavens watch in awe. For I say to you once again, Divine Generation Church is a virgin vessel pregnant with Christ. Before Jesus himself returns, the Bible says that the last virgin church shall become pregnant with the promises of the Father and out of her travailing, the body of Christ shall come forth, raised to the full stature of the head, which is Christ. Corporately manifested in holiness, in power, in love, the bride of Christ shall arise clothed in white garments, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, bright and clean. During the last and greatest move of the Father, Even as great darkness you will witness will cover the earth. Even as in the judgment of Egypt, it will be in the darkness that we feel in this world. But yet in the midst of the darkness, the visible, the powerful glory of the Father shall rise upon the virgin church. And his glory shall be seen amongst us. Did he not say that nations shall be drawn to our light? Did he not say that kings will be brought to the brightness of our rising? Radiant shall we appear, for our hearts shall possess as children what the beautiful star of the morning and in holy array for the womb of the dawn setting Our light shall exalt and begin to break forth Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Let us pray.